Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Stuff, you can have a seat. Hallelujah. 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 If we can get the rest of the house lights on, that would be great. I have my beautiful wife up here with me right now. Give it up for Pastor Tracy if you would. Hey guys. Yeah. And so she had a, um, we, we have this agreement. My wife does not want to, she, um, uh, we, we, uh, here's what you got to do. You got to hold it. No, see, that's the whole problem. Hold it right there. Beautiful. Thank so you. So we have this agreement. Uh, my wife, uh, does not want to preach and therefore. I don't enjoy it. She doesn't have to. No, I do uh, sometimes. But I have asked her that if she gets a prophetic word, that she would, if she gets a word, uh, that she would share it. And so uh, she got a word this week in study, and I said, I believe that's, that's, that's for the house. And she's like, that's funny. I thought that was for the house, too. So um, I'm going to ask our overhead person if you can switch the lights from worship to preaching. That would be beautiful, because I'm staring at a train coming down the tracks at me. And uh, Pastor Ayers is going to share this. Wow, that's like four trains. Okay, so hey, good to see all of you guys. It's great to worship with you guys this morning. Um, I enjoyed uh, the worship. Um, I wanted to just share something with you. Um, So I was just, I've been praying and I have been talking to people in our church and people outside of our church. And I just keep you know, we, sometimes we hear stuff that's going on with people that's hard, that's difficult, that there's been attacks. And I don't know about you, but I've been he- hearing it more lately. And so when I start to hear um, about people dealing with difficult things or having burdens, having um, needing breakthrough in their life, um, it begins to feel heavy on me. And that's when I know it's time to pray. You know, and I begin praying. And as I was praying um, and interceding for them, I felt, I felt like the Lord was talking to me. And what I wanted to share is that um, you know people are people are individually dealing with difficult times, hard things that, that are going on in their lives. Are, are you right? Right? Um, but and there's there's things that are going on, but it's not just individual. I believe that there is what I be what the Lord was showing me is that there has been there is an attack of the enemy on the church. You know, we pray about the universal church, the church at large. I'm not talking about revival life church, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, God's people. And the enemy in this season is coming against the body of Christ. Yeah. And um I, this is this is the word that I heard. The enemy is prowling and a demon is at work. Take this all seriously. Fear the Lord and be humble. Come on. And so um, this is not meant to be scary because we have no reason to fear demons because we are children of God and we are filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And so what do we do in response to this? Um, you know, we, we need to be in prayer for the body of Christ. We need to be in prayer for ourselves. And the Lord said, be humble. We need to be humble. And we need to, in, in, the, in this season of the enemy coming against God, we need to, or God's people, we need to know that there is a truth. Yeah, come on. And the truth comes from God. And anything that looks different than the truth of God is a deception and it's a work of the enemy. Yeah. So I declare over you, be not deceived. Amen. Be not deceived. The enemy is prowling and a demon is at work. Take this all seriously. Fear the Lord and be humble. Amen. Amen. 
So um, I say this as an encouragement because if God is speaking to us, he's already given us the keys to overcome what the enemy has coming against us. Amen. So I just, can I just pray this over, over us, over all of us? Go ahead. So I just prayed over everyone in this room, everyone on, that's, that's watching us online, even those that are not watching now, I just declare over you right now, the blood of Jesus the covers of Jesus. the body of Christ. In the name of the Jesus. blood of Jesus blood covers of Jesus. the body of Christ. And every Freedom. attack of the enemy Freedom. will not take Freedom. root, will not Freedom. have their place. The I declare Jesus. every deception broken yeah, off broken in Jesus' in name. Jesus. Every bit of, hey. of lie of whispers, of, of attacks of the enemy. I declare them broken in Jesus' name. And I declare over you a grace to be humble. A grace to know the truth that God is speaking over you. A grace to be in the word and know the truth that you may stand against the wiles and the, and the work of the enemy. The blood of Jesus is against the blood of Jesus is against the enemy, and uh, no weapon shall be formed against us because we stand in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Well, come on, somebody. For somebody who don't want to preach, for somebody who don't want to preach, I was just going to get in my seat and say, just go ahead and talk about that for a little bit here. That's a longer message than you get in many churches. Watch out. I'm sorry. Let me just stop that right there. I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> I'm, I'm, I'm <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't mean to say that out loud. That was just supposed to be in my head. Wow. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. My wife and I got to keep up with that now. Okay. All right. That was, I just share a little devotion here. And here she goes, going to preach down the house. Watch out, somebody. Watch out. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay nice here. Hallelujah. 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 There's, um, there's, I don't know if you know this or not, but, um, uh, we trivialize the teachings of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, we, we get these um, eternal uh, uh, truths that come from heaven, and we, and we dumb them down in a way that makes it super easy to understand. And in the midst of it, we can lose the power of the truth of God's Word. And, and, and what I want to do today is I want to um, kind of just push us a little bit uh, towards loving the truth of God's Word. Um, I remember, and I want you guys just to keep your heart nice and clean while I share this story, all right? I remember one time I was walking by children's ministry, and uh, they were apparently teaching about the flood, uh, you know, Noah's Ark and the flood, and um, they were singing the song, it's raining, it's raining, and um, I, 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 um, I value this word. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I value it from beginning to end, but I'm going to be honest with you, I particularly value the words in red. Right? So Jesus Christ came because all these other people couldn't get it quite right. right? And so Jesus came to make sure that you know, you know exactly who I am and, and what I believe. And um, as we read this story about the flood, which I believe has a very, very important lesson in it, um, the object of the lesson is the mass um, murder of the majority of the people on the planet. That needs to horrify us. That, that, that needs to grieve us. The fact that the waters rose and people tread water until they drowned needs to be a terrifying story, right? Like this needs to be something that we don't say glibly. And I decided in my heart at that moment, we're not teaching that story in children's ministry. That ain't a kid story. That's a me and you story. 
hear me. Hear me. The, uh, the ark and all the little animals going onto a boat sounds cute, but the murder of everybody on the planet is something that you got to be intellectually and theologically mature to understand what is trying to be communicated in this scripture right here. We're not throwing that to the kids and we're going to move on to something else. No, no. This is something that we need to kind of pick apart with a fine tooth cone to understand what in this is allegory, what in this is factual, what God caused, what man caused what the purpose was, what the overarching story is. We gotta, you got to dig deep to understand Noah and the ark. Can you hear what I'm saying? And having our kids sing about, hey, everybody's about to die, is not the thing I want my kids walking out of church with. Are, are you with me? Right? But we trivialize it to the point where an eight-year-old can understand the story, except for the part that the eight-year-old now doesn't actually understand the story. We have taken God out of the story. We have taken the, the greater truth out of the story to dumb it down so that we can understand it without actually studying the Bible. And we don't do anybody any service by making them understand things without understanding the Bible. Right? So we're here to, we're here to, we're here to worship the God who is alive, not the God who uh, uh, packs out buildings. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now, the Bible... The Bible, uh, I, 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 I'm, if, if you're going to stick around me, um, if you're going to walk with me for a minute, um, you're, you're going um, to have some opportunities to have some questions. Um, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not scared of questions. I say things like this, I don't worship the Bible, I worship the God of the Bible. This Bible helps me understand God and how to worship Him. I don't worship this book, I love this book, I read this book, this book is filled with truth, but I need, to, I need to understand this book. I have to study this book. I have to unpack this book. I, I, it takes labor to understand this book, and you better have the Spirit of God with you so you can rightly uh, discern what is actually happening in this book. Let me tell you a little bit about this book. This book is unique among religious texts. This book was not written to be sold. This book was never written to be a bestseller. It was never written uh, so that people who didn't know God can find God. It was not um, some sort of evangelistic uh, uh, op opportunity to get people to come into our faith. This book is uniquely written so that those who are already in can greater understand the God that they met. Can you, do you understand what I'm saying? This book was not written. It wasn't like a, 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 a Timothy one day sat down and said, man, I, I, how do I get the rest of the people around me to come? I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll write a track that makes God easily understandable. And I'll, put, I'll, I'll hand it out and they'll get it. And that will make them want to come to my meetings. That, 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 that's not what any part of this entire book was written for. Now, anybody who reads this thing is going to come into some truth. Can you say Amen. But this book was written for those of us who have the Spirit. This book was not written to be a bestseller. This book was written so that you and I can make sure that our faith in this unseen God is firmly grounded in unchanging truths. That's the point of this book. And if you don't get that, you're going you're gonna to kind of miss it. Let me give you an example. The, the Hebrew portion of this Bible, the, the, what we call the Old 
Testament is, 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 is so unique because uh, it's filled not just with, hey, your life's going to be amazing, but it's got a whole bunch of woes in it. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when you jump in the Old Testament and you just look for a scripture for God to speak to you, it's probably going to be a warning, right? Like if, if you just jump around, you're going to get a woe is unto you or, you know, and you're like, well, okay, that ain't, that is not exactly what I was looking for. Oh, now these people are getting overtaken and uh, okay, no, no, that's it. The Lord says, I'm going to raise up people against you. I loathe my, I just open. I loathe my own life. I'll give full vent to my complaint. I will speak in my bitterness of my soul. Okay, that's not what I opened it up for, right? Like that's not how you write a bestseller. Hear what I'm trying to tell you here. The, the Bible is, is remarkable in its honesty, right? The woes in here aren't threats from God. They're prophetic warnings that if you don't get your life right, bad things are coming. Here, 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 here's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not saying, um, you know, God put cars in streets so that if you walk there, you get hit right? That, that's, it's, that's how some people look at the Old Testament. God put all these things out there that are going to murder you if you don't walk right. Instead, it says, hey, there's streets with cars and watch out because if you walk at the wrong time, you're going to get hit. You, you see the difference. The Bible says if you don't walk according to God's wisdom, that bad things are coming. You know, Pastor Tracy talked about, you know, the, 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 the beginning of wisdom. And the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, right? And so the fear of the Lord protects us from the wiles of the devil. And as we watch people left and right in this season falling by the wayside, the overarching uh, connecting dot is the lack of the fear of the Lord. When people begin to raise their own opinion against God's opinion, you got some problems, I had a friend this weekend telling me a story. He said uh, uh, he was preaching one time in a church, and uh, he was t- giving one of the parables of, of uh, G- no, actually he was doing a teaching of Paul, and he was, he was reading it out there, and it was a fairly innocuous scripture. It wasn't that complicated. I think it had something to do with forgiveness, and he's in the middle of the message, and a man stood up in the middle of the message and just, just stood there. And he kept preaching, and the man stood there, and he's like, um, can I help you? And the guy says, I don't like that, and I don't agree with it. And, and my friend was like, well, we don't get to vote on the Bible. Like, we, this is, it's not up for a vote. This isn't a popularity contest. We don't just get the book and we just rewrite chapters that we don't like. It's like, here's the book. This is the book. We didn't write it. We don't get to judge it. We better discern it rightly. But we don't get to just say, well, I, you know, this in the 20th century, I don't, 21st century, this probably, this part probably went away. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what part went away in the 19th century? What part went away in the 17th century? Because all throughout this book, as you read the Hebrew Bible, he says, you keep thinking that my laws went away. You keep thinking that you've graduated from my ways, and now you are in the mess you're in because you have elevated your opinion above my word. And he's saying, all you're doing is walking out into traffic. You, you, you see, God is like, hey, guess what? I wrote this down. I feel like God is like, hey, I wrote it down. Let me know when you need it. And you'll know because you're going to find depression there. You, you, you're going you're to find anxiety there. You're going to find your life not going the way that, you, that I put in your heart. And, 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 and when, let me know because my word will, will still be here with you, like waiting, waiting for you. And so... <laughs> this book is unique, and let me finish this thought. I'm sorry, I'm a, little, I'm a little worked up from that prophetic word there, Tracy. I'll tell you what, I'm going to chew on that one for a little bit. Here's what's unique about this. The Hebrew Bible, uh, the Old Testament, is filled with failure. It's filled with the Jews chronicling how they missed it so that the future generations won't repeat those mistakes. 
Time and again, amen, amen, amen. And we need, we need to get that. It, time and again, the prophets, the real prophets, the true prophets are saying, look, I look at our history. I look at what our kings have said. I've heard who God is. I see the arc of where your morality is going. And it's going away from God. And when your morality is going away from God, nothing good is going to result from that. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I hear like uh, this, this gift that God has given you, the prophets would say, this gift of this homeland, this gift of security, this gift of protection, as you decide that you don't want God to be the center of what's happening here, he won't be the center of what's happening here. Unfortunately, that moves you to where the enemy has authority. And when you find yourself away from my word, towards where the enemy has authority, guess what? The enemy's life will begin to manifest in your life. And, and the prophets wrote down, not, not like some sort of puff piece about how the Jews are the greatest people ever and, or how the Hebrew people are, or since they're God's special people, you need to worship them. No, no, no. They were honest enough to write down and say, man, we have missed it. And we care more about our children's children than we care about our own reputation. And we want to be right with God so that our children's children will be safe. And that's what we find in this, in, this, in this Old Testament scripture. Time and again, we see prophets saying, look, we got it wrong. We're now in Babylonian captivity. But one day, God is going to deliver us. And when he delivers us, you better remember the lessons that we learned so you don't find yourself in captivity again. Amen. Now, how many of us have done that? How many times in our own little lives we found ourselves again in confusion, again in, 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 in anxiety, again in depression, and we say we map out prophetically how we got here, and we're like, oh, yeah, the Lord told me. Oh, yeah, the Lord told me. I, I, um, I'm going to tell this. I'm just going to tell stories today. I'm a, okay, my wife took up half my time, so don't get mad at me. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> can I have my water when you get a chance, honey? Um, I... I, 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 um, I Oh, Jesus. I had a disciple one time who um, time and again would fall uh, into the sin of gossip about me, which was kind of funny. And um, he would come under horrible, 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 horrible demonic warfare when this would happen. Terrible headaches, confusion, dizziness. And uh, uh, after like the third time, I was like, um, uh, yeah, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? I'm going through this thing. I'm like, any chance you've been gossiping about me lately? <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. I was like, hey, I'm not judging. It's in a prophetic word. I just, I've walked with you long enough to know that there's something in your heart that is led away. And when you do that, the enemy is all over you. You just, I don't care personally between me and you. I'm good. Uh, if you just want to be outside of this oppression, you just might want to clean up some of your relationships, right? That's, that's uh, the prophets are like, listen, here we are again. Let's try to stay free this time, right? And so I want some people to be like, okay, the enemy is at work against the church of Jesus Christ. You can enter into the gossip or you can be like, nah, I've seen what they got. I've seen what the enemy has to offer. I could have some temporary pleasure or I can live in the land of freedom. And, I, and every now and then you're just going to have to stretch out a hand and say, yeah, that's for you. You want to do that? You want to go out there? I've already been there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to stay right here in the land of freedom. Hallelujah. And this is, this is, this is, and, and if we're not careful, we will twist the Bible for it to mean what we want it to mean. 
We twist it to, for it to be. We, we pick out little promises out of the, out of the New Testament and don't, don't even look at what the context. We pick out little promises of the Old Testament, not even looking at the context of them. We just do this little biblical hopscotch, you know, jumping over stuff we don't like, landing on stuff we do like, claiming these promises, rejecting those. And I'm not doing this like I'm not angry at anybody right now. I, I just want us to look at this work. I just love truth. Can I be honest with you? I just love truth. And I want you to live in truth. I want you to live in the promise of God. I want you to reject the, the, the lie of the devil. And so I'm going to use one quick example, then we're going to get into our study, all right? Uh, you probably have heard this before, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. You see football players put it on their, on their helmets, you know, or on their shoes. I can do all, all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means that I can win a football game. That, 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 that means that I can become the president that means that I can become a millionaire. That means that I can knock down a wall. Like, that means, like, whatever I, whatever I want, right? Whatever God has called me, what I feel like God has called me to do, I can be successful. I can be above. And I believe in the name of Jesus that, that yes, God has called you to be above and not beneath and the head and not the tail. I believe that God has called you to be successful. I, I believe he's called you to be Everything he has called you to be. But um, how many of us can quote Philippians 4.12? The verse right before that one. Now, Philippians 4.12 says, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things by Christ who strengthens me. What, what, what Paul is talking about here in Philippians is sometimes in your season, you're going to find yourself in a season of suffering. You're going to find yourself in a dry place. You're going to find yourself getting a word you do not like. You're going to feel the correction of the Lord come into your life and you're going to feel like, I do not know if I can do this. Some of you are going to hear a word from God that says, I just need you to lay down this relationship. I need you to just lay down your fear that this is not going to work out. People are talking about you and you're not going to protect yourself. I need you to shut your mouth and just let me fight your battles. You're like, I don't know if I can do that, God. That doesn't sound like something I want to do. And God says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, that is a promise of God. See, we got to have it in context, though. Can you hear what I'm saying? If you use it wrong, God just going to be disappointed all the time. Like, oh, I'm applying for a job that I'm not qualified for, but I can do all things through Christ. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. Oh, look at that girl over there. She don't like me because, you know, I don't have a job and I'm in debt and I'm on drugs, but I can do all things. Like, no, that is not what God is saying. That is not what, and you'll be like, oh, God, I trusted you. Like, no, you ain't trust me. You made up something, and you trusted that. That is not me you trusted. You trusted what you made up. The scripture actually here says that when you find yourselves in times of trial, God will strengthen you in the midst of the trial. Now, that's something that will put meat on your bones. See, that's a faith you can hand down to your children, right? That, 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 that's something that works. So let's not, let's not make up a new religion and call it Christianity. Let's follow the God of the Bible. In, in, in light of that, <clears throat> since um, um, Tracy took up so much of my time, I'm going to go a little late here, like I said. I'm, I'm almost done with my introduction. Um, no, I'm not. Um, 
Listen, <clears throat> when, <clears throat> hallelujah. Mm. Luke 6, all right, we, we talked uh, last week about Luke 6. We talked about how Jesus gave us this Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes, right? He told us who's blessed. And, uh, and he, and he <clears throat> shared some woes with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, basically, you know, we are, we are blessed in certain circumstances, that God is near to those who are struggling, and God empowers those who rest upon him and count on his uh, provision. <clears throat> and we, we talked about how Jesus was giving us our new, what we called a hermeneutic. He's giving us a filter to view God and the scriptures through. We are to read the Bible through this lens of the, of the Beatitudes and who God calls blessed. And when we find in our hearts to be something other than what God calls blessed, we know there is an idol or a false doctrine that is being taught to us. And so we move with that understanding into uh, Luke chapter 7. You see, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, as, as we live this Luke chapter 6 life, this Sermon on the Mount life, we're able to see people more correctly. Instead of just inventing what we think is, uh, is success, we start seeing success through God's eyes. And if the Holy Ghost does anything in your life here today. I hope that he lifts the scales from your eyes so that you could see how truly God has been faithful to you, how God has come through and blessed you, that you would be able to truly appreciate the true blessings that come from above and will withstand the fire at the end of times. That's, if nothing else, I hope, I hope that is what happens. But when we see people rightly, we know that God is with us, but when we see, as we read in Luke chapter 6, when we see nothing but faults in other people, what we really are telling the world is that we have a log in our eye, right? This is us communicating, not understanding, like there is something wrong with my vision. When we're constantly complaining or tearing people down, what we're communicating to the world is there is something deeply wrong with me, there is something deeply wrong with how I see the world. And Jesus says, if we don't deal with this, then we're blind. Our life is not built on the rock, but it's built on sand. And if I can encourage you, uh, don't follow people whose lives are built on sand, who rewrite the scriptures according to their desires, who are far more apt to try to share their offense with other people, and they want you to see the world through the same log that's stuck in their eye. This is not how you want to live. It's pleasurable for a moment because you don't have to deal with your issues, if we could be honest, right? But, but in the long run, we're going to find ourselves places we don't, we don't actually want to be. And so this, this warning that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, that, that, that um, he's trying to tell them, we got to remember these are real people. And so Jesus here in Luke chapter 6 and in chapter 7, he's trying to teach these disciples. He's trying to tell them, look, things are going to get rough. Think, things are going to be hard. Like they're still thinking that Jesus is going to take over and be the new Roman Empire, the new uh, uh, king of Israel, and that they're going to reign like a military. And Jesus is like, like, I'm trying to set you up so that when I leave, you're not going to be as disappointed. Listen, things are going to get hard. And he's trying to get them prepared for it. And he says, like, if you think that you're better than other people and that you are allowed to sit in judgment, you're going to have some serious problems. This is Jesus preparing their hearts for leadership. You won't like the people judging us right now. 
but your real heart is that you get to sit in judgment. That's going to be some problems, right? And he's trying to prepare them for leadership. He's trying to prepare them uh, for, for what happens when he leaves. So in Luke chapter 7, there's four stories. We're going to talk about three of them today to try to drive this point home. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. If you've got a Bible, go ahead. Like I said, turn to Luke chapter 7. I, as I was told recently, I have returned to reading to a physical Bible because it helps me. It helps me orient myself where I'm at in the story, where I have found in the digital Bible, every verse floats out on its own, as opposed to being part of something bigger than itself. So if you, uh, if you need a Bible, we have free ones in the lobby. You can get one now. You can get one on the way out and get one on the way in. Go ahead and grab one. Now, if you're like uh, older than me or, or my age, don't bother, because you won't be able to read anything on it. That print is like ants wrote it, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, is there fleas on this page or is there actual words? I got glasses, I'm doing this, my arms aren't long enough, you might, you're just going to have to buy one. Let's just be honest. You're going to have to buy one, right? Uh, but if you are younger, you know, bless you. It's like a secret code, apparently. Like, it's a young people Bible. Like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. We, we, give it out to, we give it out to prisoners, we give it out, I don't know, I, I don't know why we think the prisoners can read that good. I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but... It is what it is. We get a magnifying the telescope. I need a telescope. Put it on the other side of the room. So in the first story, <clears throat> there's a healing uh, involving a centurion and his servant. Now, if you haven't read uh, uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, read Luke chapter 7 and chapter 8 this week because we're reading and teaching through the book of... And it's helpful if you've read it. Amen. It's helpful if you read it to get what's happening here. So read the Bible, all right? It helps. <clears throat> so, so this centurion, uh, a centurion is a Roman officer, right? He, he's the leader of a, a centuri, uh, like a hundred. Um, what's funny is century is a hundred. So you would think he leads a hundred troops, but he led about 80, which is the weird part. But that's irrelevant for our story. But, but what's important to understand is that this Roman officer, he's outside of the covenant. Right? He's owed nothing by Jesus because he's not a Jew. Uh, Jesus made it very clear that he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? He made it very clear that that's who he came for. But, but the disciples and, 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 the, and the people around Jesus said, hey, this centurion, like, he's really generous with the Jews. Like, he's really good to our people, uh, and he's given a lot of money, so much money, in fact, he had our synagogue built with the money that he donated. So in, back in the day, as you read the scriptures, uh, there was this system, it was called a system of patronage. And uh, the, the rich were very rich, the poor were very poor, right? And there was no um, social system that somehow obligated the rich to help the poor, right? And so what they would have is certain wealthy people, uh, they would patronize or they would have patronages uh, of, of certain projects or certain people, and they would support these works with their money. Now, the, uh, the centurion was a patron for the Jews, and he built things for them. Now, it's my personal belief that his servant, who was sick, was probably Jewish. That's, that's my guess, since Jesus said, I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that's neither, it's not actually in the scripture, that's just the gospel according to Carl, right? So we can just leave that where it is. So they said, hey, he does so much for us. Why don't you come and heal him? As if Jesus owes the centurion something. 
Now, here's your first clue. Whenever you think that God owes anything to anybody, you've just departed the gospel and you're on a bad trail. Right? We're we're going in the wrong direction, right? We need to see like the red uh, little blink. You know, like when you're on 95 and if you're in the right direction, the reflectors are white. If you're going in the wrong direction, they're red. We need to see red reflections when we think God owes anybody anything, right? He's God. He's good, right? So are you following me with the story? So this, uh, the, he, Jesus decides, I'm going to walk toward this servant because everybody wants this guy healed. And the centurion's friend shows up, the Bible says, and the, the friend says, hey, uh, you don't actually have to go. Uh, the centurion sent me to let you know you don't have to go. I'm a man under authority, he says. And if you say your word, you know, just like, you know, I'm a man under authority. If I tell a soldier to do something, uh, it happens. And if, uh, and if, hold on, you're holding me, you're, you're, you're getting me here. You're, you're getting me ahead of myself. He says, so if I, as, as, a, as a leading soldier, if I tell one of my soldiers under me to do something, he has to do it. Uh, and so I know you're a man of authority. And if you say something, it's going to happen. So just speak the word and uh, my servant will be healed. And so in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, let's take a look at this. It says, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd. Now, I don't want to get you weighed down here a little bit, but I want to point something out to you. There is a literary device that Luke uses again and again, and he turns to look at somebody. Remember, we, we, we saw last week how he turned from the crowd and spoke to the disciples. Every time you see this turning of Jesus, it's on purpose. Are, are, you, are, are you hearing me? Okay, so now Jesus, he heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd. Now, who is the crowd? The crowd is the Pharisees, it's the Sadducees, it's the scribes, it's Jewish people. He says to them, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Now, we have heard this scripture taught that if we are under authority, we have more faith than those who don't. But what do they hear when they hear this? What we hear is these Jews, these religious people, these people who thought they were something, did you just say that the person outside of the covenant has more faith than me? Wait, 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 wait. I am a Jew. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have kept the law my whole life. God is my God, and he is not their God. He's, we are his people. They are not his people. Faith has only been given to Israel. And you tell me that this Roman has a faith I don't have? Jesus is making a point here. Come on. I need you to see this. Jesus is making a point here. Now, He understands. I I totally believe in authority. I believe that there is delegated spiritual authority. I fully believe that. But Jesus says that not in Israel did he find this kind of faith. He found it with the centurion. Jesus is trying to say something right now. Here's somebody who humbled himself enough to come to Jesus. Okay, in Luke 18, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith. What is Jesus trying to accomplish here? I'm getting somewhere. Just stick with me a little bit. Stick with me for a moment. Jesus is preparing his disciples. They have been raised in a system that the somebodies are close to God and the nobodies are there because they deserve to be there. That if you're broke, it's because you're supposed to be broke. And if you're rich, God wants you to be rich. But Jesus is preparing his disciples for something different. He's letting them know right now you are on the bottom. But, but, 
But one day, say one day, one day it's not going to be like this. He's saying right now you're on the bottom. The truth is not only are you on the bottom, things are going to get lower when I leave. When I leave, things are going to get harder. Things are going to get more tough. But one day, after this time of struggle, you are going to lead a movement that is going to change the world. And he's asking them, how are you going to handle this power? When you get this power, when, 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 when no longer are, are, is the temple going to be here, remember, the temple is going to be destroyed. The Jews who ran Jerusalem are either going to be murdered or driven out of the city. The system as they knew it is going to fall by the wayside. The Romans are going to burn Jerusalem to the ground. The disciples are going to be spread out, starting in Antioch. They're going to start an amazing church that sends out missionaries all over and establishes the kingdom of heaven on the earth, starting in Asia Minor and all over over the world. And he says, you're on the bottom right now as my disciples. These people don't even think you should be disciples of any rabbi yet. Here I am, the Messiah, and I've made you my disciples. And people don't respect you right now. And they're going to try to kill you. But one day, one day, you're going to be an apostle of the Lamb. One day, you're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. One day, you're going to call down fire. One day, you're going to walk into a city and cast demons out of people and see the dead raised and the blind see and the ears open. And you're going to preach a gospel that people are going to be dumbfounded by. And Jesus wants to know for his disciples, how are you going to handle that power? What are you going to do with that? Now, see, see, believers, believers, we, we, we regularly, I hate to say it like this, like we, we, we regularly fail this test. We fail the test of power. We fail the test of opportunity. We fail the test of access. As soon as we get a little bit of worldly power, we all of a sudden think we are somebody, right? Like, I done got a promotion. I don't know. I'm not who I was last week. I got a promotion. They're like, you're the assistant shift call center leader. Come on, man. Let's come on now. Come on. You say, but I'm the assistant of the whole shift. They're like, just, just, just take it down a little bit. We just get a little bit of promotion. I don't know if you know, but I got a little bit of scratch to me now. You don't want a $50 lotto ticket. Come on, man. That don't make you all that. Like, we fail this test regularly. Pastor asked me to be the assistant youth director. Like, wait, what? Come on, that's a service position. That, like, you're supposed to get lower to do that, and here you are thinking it makes you bigger. We fail this all the time as believers. He's like, hey, I've given you an opportunity to get a little bit lower. You're going to find my, more of my grace down there in that pit. I've asked you to get into a new pit to add, help more people who are stuck in a pit. And somehow we think that makes us better. We fail this test all the time. Every opportunity for worldly promotion is accepted. Christians don't even pray about it. Like, am I supposed to walk into this open door? I tell you what, you better pray for these doors. I don't, want to, I don't want to make you fearful, but you better make sure it's God. Because the enemy just contempt people with the dumbest stuff. Just cute looking dude. Well, well okay, I'll go to a new church. Like, is that, is that what it took? It really? Is that it really? You get saved and all of a sudden you got a Sunday shift open up. And like, hmm, three extra hours worth your, your fellowship with the saints. Really? Is that all it cost? Is that all that's worth to you? Like, like, like the, the enemy is not stupid. 
The same thing that's always worked will always work on you, right? Until you decide it ain't going to work no more, right? Like, oh, look, God gave me the very thing that the devil used to tempt me with. Like, well, are you serious? No, that is not how it works. We need to grow up a little bit. Hello. Come on. Yeah, amen. Listen, we got to, we got to, as Christians, we got to learn, like, like, we really do have riches in heaven. We really do have blessings in heaven. I, I um, there, there's a, uh, <clears throat> there's a prophetic word that is brewing on the inside of me and has not come to full maturation, but people began to see it today. There is a, there is a sun rising for many people in this room right now and in this house. There, there is an anointing that is, that is present, but is coming. There is an angelic presence that is here and yet is coming. And, 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 and it's going to empower people to do all kinds of amazing things. And you better make sure you're doing the God stuff. You better make sure that you're on the God foundation. You better make sure that the open doors you're walking through are the doors that God has opened for you and not a trap door that the enemy has set to keep you from his real promise. You better have some leaders in your life. You, be, you better have someone who when they say no, you say, well, I don't agree, but it's going to be no until God gives me a yes. You better have some people in your life that you trust. You better. you better. You better have someone in your life. So when you got issues, they can call them out without you having a temper tantrum. Seen it too many times. Like, you better, better be able to discern the difference. Like, you ain't hearing God. That's a temper tantrum, man. Come on. Just, just shut up for a minute. Just, just, just. Hallelujah. You with me still? Yeah. Jesus like, you're going to get some power. You better learn how to handle it. You better be able to hear no. You better, you better be able to get some correction. You, you, you better, there's traffic out there. Don't think you're stronger than the traffic. Stay out the traffic. Wait for the light. Wait for the light. People are like, oh, you don't know who I am. I don't need to wait for the light. You just got hit by a car. Now I'm watching everybody who's following you fall down. Sickness and all kind of craziness. Why you just come on. Fear of the Lord will keep you from this. Fear of the Lord will keep you. Okay, Carl, just move on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I promised Ed Craddock I wouldn't preach angry. So here I am. I'm reining it in. Check this out. Okay. No greater faith. Watch this. 7-9. Now when Jesus heard this, he, he marveled. And I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such a great faith. What do you do when God says something insulting to you? You ever been insulted by God? I, 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 I took it as an insult. He took it as an opportunity to grow. I, I, don't, I, 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 I like compliments. My love language is, uh, you know, words of affirmation. So uh, I, I like it, um, but they don't make me grow, right? People I trust, pe- pe- people that God has put in my life, authorities in my life, and they say, hey, 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 this. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Like, yeah, no, actually, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's ungodly. As a matter of fact, you need to get that out of your life. Like, no, that, that's probably you. You don't understand. We're different generations. Like, no, no, I'm of God's generation. That needs to get worked out. You're like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> come on, somebody, like, uh, like, and so we got we to make a decision. These people in Israel had a choice. They, didn't, they, 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 could, they, could, they could line up with what Jesus called faith, or they could stick with their ways and be offended. Now, we know how the story ends, but Jesus, also who knew how the story ends, didn't stop trying. <clears throat> Next story, we see this widow, and she has a dead son, right? Now, she's a widow, so it's understood that somehow she's cursed. And she had a son who was now take the place of his, his daddy, taking care of mama, right? And so now she lost her husband 
and lost her son in a society that women were not equal. If you don't know what a curse looks like, that's what a curse looks like, but God. Jesus walks up, and the Bible, according to the Jews of the time, said, if you touch that dead body, you're going to be cursed, meaning don't help them. As a matter of fact, I want you to be scared of them, right? Watch out for folks who want you to be scared of other people. Watch out for folks who want you to, 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 to question people's motives. Watch out for conspiracy theorists. Watch out for them. They are a walking horror story. You know what a horror story is? A horror story is designed so that everything that appears right is actually wrong. It doesn't want you to trust the appearance of anything. That's what a horror story is. Oh, look, it's a nice little girl. Wait, or she could be a demonic murderer. Right? Oh, look, it's a puppy. It could just be a puppy. Or it could be a robot that's going to rip off your arms. Right? Like a horror story wants you to live in fear and suspicion. Find people whose ministry is a horror story and work them out of your life. That's a free nugget right there. That's not even in the message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, honey. I promise you. So here's the question. So the widow, they believe, is cursed, and to touch her would make you cursed, right? And so the question Jesus wants to challenge in the disciples, who's blessed and who's cursed, right? He answered this in the last chapter with the Beatitudes. Those who are at the bottom are blessed because Jesus is near to them. Now, who's more at the bottom than a widow with a dead husband and now a dead son? And Jesus, after he lets the Jews know, hey, the centurion's got more faith than you, walks over to the dead body and touches it. And they're like, oh my gosh, the rabbi. He's going to be, the rabbi is unclean? What do you do when your rabbi's unclean? And, and, and Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not unclean. If you will listen to me, you'll become clean. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not the one who's unclean. And it wasn't that body that's unclean. What's unclean is your heart. <laughs> and now all these people want to affect your mind to tell you that I'm the one who's cursed. But if you get close, you'll see the truth, and the dead will rise and have a new day. If you can discern where the truth is from the lie, and you follow the authority that Jesus has actually brought onto the scene, you'll actually walk in the land of the living. So Jesus touches the body. The body comes back to life. See, blessed are those who radically depend on Jesus. This is what he wants you to know. Radically are those, blessed are those who radically depend on Jesus. That's what he wants you to know. See, offense is coming to rob you of your faith. Yeah. <laughs> offense is coming to rob you of your faith. You remember the story in John the Baptist? John the Baptist died and, and the religious leaders were like, you know, mm, the religious leaders all thought they were in control. They thought that they were running this thing. They thought that they were running the whole story. We're running the whole system. But, but, but in Luke Chapter 7, verse 22, he says, he answers them. Jesus says to this, these people are like, are you really the prophet to come or should we wait for somebody else? And he says, answer them this. Go report to John. You've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Watch this. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed. There's another beatitude. Blessed is when they don't get offended because God didn't do what you wanted him to do. When you surrender your life to Jesus, what you're saying is you are the God of the big picture and not going to get offended when I don't understand your story. 
All right, watch this. This is all going to come together here in a minute. You, you, you just trust me here. <clears throat> there was a prophecy about Jesus that Simon, if you remember, this old man was in the temple when Jesus was, was dedicated. And he had been waiting for what he called the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. And, and, and he had this really funny prophecy. He said this in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. He blessed Mary and Joseph. He said to them, to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. He is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be what? Opposed. So Pastor Tracy had this word. There's a lot of people out there. They call it deconstruction. They call it all kinds of stuff. Now, there are people who are in abusive religious systems that think it's God. And they need to, they need to take apart what was God and what wasn't God. Like, there are manipulative cults that call themselves Christian. That needs to be torn apart. But what's happened is the enemy has gotten in this, has gotten people questioning their own faith, questioning the word of God. And, 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 and the prophecy over Jesus was that he's going to come and he's going to make some people on the bottom rise up. But he is a sign that some people are going to fight against. And they're going to oppose him. And those people, it's going to lead to their downfall. And you watch in this season, there are people who will just shut up and submit to God. And their lives are going to be blessed in five years. You're going to see them in places of authority. You're going to see them in places of influence. You're going to see them in places of comfort, in places of influence. And you're going to see others who spent their lives destroying the faith of other people. And whatever is sown, that you shall reap. And people who are living a horror story. Horror stories don't end well. Have you noticed? They don't end well. People who want to live their lives in a horror story, it, it, it doesn't end well. But those who will get involved in the gospel, those who will get involved in blessing the least of these, you will see them prosper. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. So in light of this, watch this. I'm almost done. Jesus, Jesus pronounces a blessing on any who are willing to undergo a conversion in their views of God's purpose. There is this new age that Jesus is, is bringing in. And he's saying, man, you have to get humble. You better get humble to see John. You better be humble to get his message. He's like John the Baptist. He came. He didn't sit in Jerusalem. He went out into the woods. And if you want to get the real word of God, you better be humble and go out into the woods and get it. Are you with me? Here's what I want you to get away from this. This is what I believe Jesus is teaching. And I'm going to finish with this. Beyond your offense is your breakthrough. Right beyond your offense is your breakthrough. What is the thing that is getting you offended? If you will stand and not let your heart turn bitter, Jesus is going to turn it into breakthrough. It's a stumbling block. The gospel is a stumbling block. The cross is a stumbling block. For many, that gift of prophecy God has for you, tongues is the stumbling block. There is a stumbling block that Jesus will put in front of you that you have to humble yourself to receive the real blessing that he has for you. You see, pride is demonic oppression that Jesus wants to get you free from. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Come on up here, play some music. I, 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 I have, um, 
Hallelujah. 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 You see, the Pharisees missed this. They, 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 they missed, they missed, they think that the, they think that uh, the unclean body was going to make Jesus unclean. The end of the chapter, he's there eating dinner at Simon's house, and there's a, a woman comes in and starts crying at his feet, right? You, you know the story. And uh, the Pharisees are like, Do you, if this guy knew, this woman, if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is at his feet. And she's crying all over his feet, drying with her hair, with her tears, kissing them, pouring perfume on them. The Pharisees missed it. They missed the last two stories. They missed the story about John the Baptist. They think this woman's somehow going to make Jesus unclean. Jesus says, look, I got a story for you. There's, 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 there's this guy. He loans out money. One guy owed a lot. One guy owed a little. He forgave them both their, their debts. Who do you think loved him more? And he says, well, I would suppose the one who owed him a lot. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And so this woman right here, this woman, watch this, Luke 7, 44. Turning toward the woman. You see this, right? Now he's looking at this woman that Simon said was unclean. He looks at the woman and talks to Simon. Looks at the woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but she who is forgiven little loves little. He's calling out Simon's sin. She repented, so she loves she repented, so she's forgiven, so she loves. But he, he was forgiven little, loves little, Simon. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclined at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, watch this, your faith has saved you. You could miss this. You could miss this. Who did Jesus say has faith in this chapter? He didn't say a single Jew had faith. The centurion had faith because he humbled himself enough to go to Jesus. The woman who knew she was in sin, he said she has faith because she knew to come to Jesus. But here's all these religious leaders thinking I am somebody. None of them. None of them had love. Because none of them thought they needed to be forgiven, and so none of them had faith. Jesus is making a very clear point, and Luke is trying to point it out in Luke chapter 7. Listen, if you think you are somebody, you're missing it. But if you are a nobody who will come to the feet of Jesus, you could be somebody. Watch this. Three things I want you to know. The Pharisees were too prideful to see the Messiah right in front of them. That's the first audience Jesus was after. Jesus after these Pharisees who think they are somebody. And he's trying to reach them and say, listen, you dedicated yourself to religion. Now I wish you would dedicate yourself to God. 
I know that the, the hat don't save you, the suit don't save you, the dance don't save you. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. It's not knowing when to say hallelujah and amen. It's when you see somebody who's broken, you give them some money. That, that, that is active faith. When you don't think you're better than somebody, but you say, there but the grace of God goes I. I'll humble myself and thank Jesus that I'm at the place I'm at. That's what salvation looks like, number one. Number two, his second audience he's trying to get at were his disciples. First, he's trying to reach the Pharisees. Second, he's trying to reach the disciples. He's trying to let them know, hey, listen, you're going to be somebody someday. One day, these religious leaders, you're going to replace them. I need you to do better than they did. When you're offended, I need you to not try to spread your offense with everybody. I need you to get into some quiet reflection and find out what's wrong with you, that your heart is so dark that you can't repent. This is Jesus sending a message to his own disciples. Listen, I've given you, I'm going to give you my spirit. I need you to be better than this. Third group he's going after in this writing. He's going after us. Us who forget the great debt of sin that Jesus paid for our redemption. We walk in the church for a little bit. We walk with Jesus, know a little bit of Bible, get a little bit of sin worked out of our lives. You know, not all of it, you know, because God is gracious. You know, God forgives, God understands. But some of the sin out of our lives, and then we walk around pointing at people who don't have the sin worked out that we think they should have worked out. And Jesus is like, hmm, you, 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 you need to remember. You need to remember that but by the grace of God, there goes you. That you need the Savior today. Stand with me if you would. Our problem is we don't think we need a Savior. We live like we don't need a Savior. We think that was just back in the day. That was just, that was just before we became a Christian. That was, that was then. But now I'm a saint. Now I'm the righteousness of God. Now, now I'm without sin and seated at the right hand of the Father. That, like that was for them. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's no friend. As we read this Bible, as we read these stories of the miracles, we're, we're not Jesus in the story. We like to think that we're the one who's coming with the miracles. No, no, no. In these stories, we're not Jesus in the story. And uh, we, 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 we aren't, we aren't, we aren't the, uh, the sinful woman in the story either. We're, we're the sick servant. We're the one who can't save ourselves. We're, we're the ones who are trapped in our sin and death. We're the ones who are, are that dead body just being carried and people... People, people mourning over our passing. We're the ones who are trapped in our sin that people look at us and gossip and say, did you hear about him? Hey, I don't want to gossip, but did you hear about what this person says? That, that's, who, that, that's who we are. And Jesus is the one who doesn't listen to the gossip. He's the one who doesn't listen to the accusations. He's the one who doesn't believe that your sin is who you really are. But there is a real you that you're not really dead. But on the inside, there is something redeemable. On the inside, there is something beautiful. On the inside, there is something that reflects the image of God. And when Jesus touches that, it comes alive. And only because of the touch of Jesus can we let the, the image of God reflect from us toward the world. We are the Pharisee who needs to realize we ain't all that. I want to invite you to pray with me today. Ha, I feel the Holy Ghost, honey. I feel the Holy Ghost of God. I feel the Holy Ghost of God. I feel the Holy Ghost of God. I feel right now in the name of Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. 
Mm, mm, mm. Hey, Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. You say, Pastor, what you doing? I'm waiting for God to minister to your heart right now. Ha. There are... Um, I don't know how else to say this. There's some people in this room you've been lied on. I mean, there might have been some truth in it, but it wasn't the truth. Because that's not who you are. You are not your lowest moment. You are who God calls you. And I'm here to tell you I know that. I'm here to tell you I believe in you and God believes in you. He believes that by the power of the Holy Ghost you could be the you you were called to be. Something very empowering about being resurrected. You, can't, you have nothing to do with it. And I'm sorry if, um, if you're like ready just to go, but I feel like the Lord wants to minister to somebody right now. And so I just declare right now in the name of Jesus that this lie would be broken off you, this tormenting spirit, this lying, tormenting spirit would come off of you. Pray in the spirit if you would. That this lying, tormenting spirit would come off of you. This accusation of the devil would be broken. That somehow those with something are better than those with nothing. Because the Bible said that God is close to the brokenhearted. I want you to see he's near you right now. And I have one more word, if you would just play a little bit more. I just, there is a tormenting spirit that, is, that has been uh, unleashed on many in the body. My wife talked about it earlier. But for those of you who are under this tormenting spirit, it's where your mind just kind of shifts into overdrive. Hear me. Y'all, just give me a minute, okay? I need agreement right now, okay? Just give me a minute. There, there is a tormenting spirit that gets on your mind. And you're like, it just runs away on its own. Like it has a mind of its own. It does have a mind of its own. It's the enemy. God is peaceable. The devil is tormenting. God is not the author of confusion. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare the blood. The blood of Jesus over your... Mm, oh, where, there it is right there. There it is right there. Just let it go. I declare freedom over your life right now in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that tormenting spirit that came after you through that lie, through that person's offense, through that person's disappointment, the, 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 the weight that they put upon you that you weren't supposed to carry. I declare in the name of Jesus, freedom over your life right Freedom in the name of Jesus. I declare the blood of Jesus over you. You have no authority in this place. There it is right there. There it is right there. There it is right there. Come on, let it go. Let it go. Freedom in this place right now. Free Freedom in this place right now. Freedom in this place right now.
I'd like every, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just would. And I just want to know, if this word's for you, just give me a wave so I know who I'm talking to. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here it goes right now. Comes out of your life in the name of Jesus. And I declare the joy. The joy of your salvation coming in right now. I declare right now the infilling of the Spirit of God. I declare right now the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you for this day, mm, for this day's assignment. I declare the joy of the Lord is your strength. I declare you can do all things in this season. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. This thing will not overcome you, but it shall be defeated in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Give a clap offering to the Lord if you would. And Father, we love you today. We love you today. We pray that you would be with us as we go. We stay thankful to you and we stay mindful that when we are low, you are the closest. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen and amen, amen. Give a clap off for the Lord. We thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer, there'll be somebody at the front, but my wife and I will be in the lobby. We'd love to say hello. God bless you online. Have an amazing week. We'll see you Sunday.